0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News.
1: This week, we are discussing how corporate giants like Walmart and Unilever are coping with inflation. Welcome back to The Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. A flurry of earnings from McDonald's to Walmart is painting an ugly picture of inflation. The cost of goods and labor have soared over 9% in the US. But how prepared are these companies for this moment? And have they made some bad calls? What does their pain tell us about what's in store for smaller rivals? Also, just how long will consumers tolerate price rises before they start shopping elsewhere or stop buying altogether? First up, I chat to John Foley in New York about Walmart, the US's largest private employer, and its recent profit warning. Next, I chat to Dasha Afansieva about Unilever's strategy of selling fewer goods at a higher price. It's results season in the US and we're seeing a big picture of inflation. Walmart being quite a good bellwether for retail and what consumers in America are feeling and thinking about how they spend their money. Here to speak to me about it is John Foley. And I also have Sharon Lamb, who is covering McDonald's, who's also going to jump in with some nice chat about that, too. So, John, we'll start with you. Tell us about Walmart, because, I mean, it was a bit of a bloodbath for their market value this week, wasn't it? When they kind of came out with their results.
2: Yeah, the thing that is interesting about Walmart is that it's so huge and so its te- its tentacles reach so far into the heart and psyche of the American consumer, right? This company has 1.6 million employees in the US. It's the biggest private employer in America. And its sales in the US are about so, roughly $400 billion a year, which is like closing in on 10% of all retail spending. So Walmart knows consumers better than anyone. And so it's really shocking when Walmart, and it's done this twice now, comes up with a kind of warning saying, we we got it a bit wrong. We got too many of the wrong kinds of products and consumers have pivoted their spending towards more food and less what they call general merchandise, which is everything from clothing to garden furniture to electronics. And that means both that Walmart now has warehouses filled with t-shirts that people don't want at the prices it's offering them, and also that the future sales that it's expecting are more geared towards food, which is less profitable. So this is a thing that is most um, shocking, just because of Walmart's sheer size. Like if Walmart's got it wrong, then the question is who else has got it wrong? And the answer is going to be a lot of people,
1: yes. And I mean, John, that idea of of them sort of getting it wrong, I mean, we've had a, a, an idea of inflation now, I, I think the specter of it kind of looming over the economy for quite a while now how How long have would they have had like what kind of what kind of timing would they have had to get this right, to have focused on food? I mean, I I would have thought if you were, you know, a retailer that knows everything about consumers and the way they think, you would think that one of the first things you would cut in an inflationary environment would be sort of things that you don't need, which would be sort of fast fashion and, you know, socks and all that kind of stuff that they sell and general merchandise Maybe like, you know, you don't need that garden furniture that they sell. So do do they just order this stuff so far ahead and that's why they're in the situation that they're in or... Did they maybe just think inflation wasn't going to be as painful as it as it is proving to be?
2: So it's a really fair question because actually, like when I'm saying Walmart got it wrong, I mean, like who got it right is a different way of phrasing that question because there is a sort of retrospective blame game going on. If you look at the Federal Reserve, which obviously the Federal Reserve's job is to try and manage inflation expectations. A lot of people say the Federal Reserve got it wrong and they didn't see that inflation was going to be as high as it did. And the fact is that a lot of people have been surprised by the pace and the persistence of inflation. And one reason for that has been that consumers have seemed to defy gravity for quite a long time. So the, the other thing that's that's interesting about this kind of Walmart moment, Walmart's mea culpa, if you like, or just Walmart's kind of epiphany, is that for a while we've known that the economy is under some strain and we've seen that prices are rising, especially things like energy prices, and yet consumers have appeared to not really mind. And particularly when we talk to you know big banks who obviously also have Tentacles that reach deep into the heart and psyche of American consumers. They're saying, even though we'd expect people to be sort of slightly pulling in their horns and spending a bit less, they're not. Like consumer creditworthiness is really good. We don't really understand why, but people still seem to think that everything is good times. And so Walmart can be forgiven for also thinking that until the moment when that changed, which was quite recently. So what we may be seeing is not just that companies are suddenly realizing that inflation is following a different path from what they expected. But that consumers are also realizing that too. And this is just the moment where, you know, people often talk it's kind of a financial cliche, but the wily e. coyote moment where Wiley Coyote like is, you know, rapidly spinning his feet over thin air because he hasn't realized that he's about to fall into a an abyss. That's basically what consumers are doing, too. As another example, of this is another supermarket chain called Albertsons, came out with earnings this week. And they had also said that they expected that inflation would probably be, you know, coming down quite rapidly by the end of this year. But now they've realized that's probably not the case. So lots of other companies, too, thought that prices would moderate and have been proven wrong.
1: And I think that's sort of the interesting point, isn't it? And the question, I guess, for everybody is, what are people seeing so what do, what does walmart give any sense as to when they think that inflation will kind of come under control like that 35 billion dollars that was wiped off their share price is that overdone or is that sort of reflective of the fact that this is sort of here to stay and these kind of consumer habits are going to be around for for a while longer
2: so the 35 billion that you mentioned that that is a huge amount of money to be wiped off walmart market value. Walmart is, of course, huge, so it's about 10% roughly, a bit less than 10% of Walmart's value. But it's certainly more than you would get if you just worked out how much profit, how much less profit they're going to make this year. And it suggests that something really has shifted. They don't know and they're not saying when inflation is going to come under control. We can look at things like you know, the market's expectation of future interest rates, which seems to suggest that people think inflation will be under control by it. The middle of next year but companies everywhere like GE is another one GE is a huge industrial firm makes jet engines and power turbines and all that kind of stuff they were saying as well this week that they are seeing inflation come through um, the usual inflationary channels but also you know supply chain disruptions are still causing big problems for them and that's also true for companies like Walmart so no one really knows when those supply chain bottlenecks that stop goods getting from A to B are going to ease off. So it would be really brave for any company to make a strong call at the moment about when they think prices are going to come down to a reasonable level. Interesting.
1: And so, so Sharon, you were looking at McDonald's this week, which is sort of, again, another interesting one. John's mentioning that people are still keen on buying food and let's face it, McDonald's is cheap food. So you'd imagine that they are doing particularly well or certainly have a more optimistic viewpoint. So so what are McDonald's saying about this whole situation?
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Amy. So uh, McDonald's reported earlier this week and their same store sales globally rose nearly 10% in the second quarter. and. Actually, for the full year in the U.S., they're expecting 12 to 14% inflation. And John alluded to this point earlier about banks and consumers perhaps having different views of of how things are going. And in this case, despite the fact that consumers are thinking about inflation, a lot of the the rising menu prices have yet to actually deter customers Mm. from still going to McDonald's and and picking up nuggets and burgers whatnot. But at the same time, they're also starting to see that there are some customers, especially lower income customers, who are starting to trade down. So they're looking at kind of combo meals or or more value meals, but I think what's interesting is that this is the second quarter where McDonald's raised their prices on the menu. So they raised it by eight percent in the first quarter, and this quarter they also raised it by even higher, by high single digits. And that still didn't really stop same-store sales from going up. So still some signs that McDonald's is still staying relatively recession-proof.
2: There was an interesting thing that came up with McDonald's that you, Sharon when you were writing mm-hmm. about it yesterday, which was this idea that not all prices are changing at the same rate, right? So McDonald's is doing quite well because the cost of eating out is rising Mm. less quickly than the cost of buying groceries in the store, I guess. Is that right?
0: Yeah, this is kind of an interesting place where McDonald's and Walmart's earnings kind of intersect. The CEO, Christopher Kaczynski, mentioned that the price of food at home, so the prices of food, I'm assuming groceries, is actually rising much faster than the cost of eating out. So cost of eating out, that, that would be like customers going to McDonald's and whatnot, and that he's saying that that's actually one thing that McDonald's is benefiting from. And that gap is wider than it has been in 50 years. So I'm not sure how long or how sustainable that will be, but for now that seemed to be an interesting data point.
2: Which raises also that interesting question of winners, who wins from this inflationary stuff, because some companies, Walmart for all that it came out with basically a profit warning, also said that more people are buying food from Walmart now Presume because it's got a reputation for being cheap. And Albertsons, the you know rival supermarket chain, they've said they came out with all these kind of interesting snippets with their earnings saying that, for example, people used to buy an avocado, but now they buy a bag of avocados. So they're selling more mm. avocados. So there are these kind of strange behavioral tweaks as people get, get their head around rising prices. Even people, they said, who have more money are thinking, oh, maybe I should buy a batch of six luxury organic hamburgers rather than just getting two. So we will see market share shift around. Not everyone wins and loses at the same pace. So McDonald's seems to be doing okay, Albertson seems to be doing okay, Walmart may be doing okay on the food stuff. But it sucks to have warehouses filled with cheap jeans that nobody wants to buy.
1: Yes. And I suppose these things can change very quickly. It's interesting, Sharon, my memory of the financial crisis, the 2008 financial crisis in London, was seeing people that you really wouldn't expect on the tube. So bankers and other people drinking McDonald's coffee because McDonald's coffee Mm -hmm. is very cheap. It's about I think it was about a pound at the time to buy a McDonald's coffee. So all these people who were really trying to kind of save money but still wanted their coffee would be drinking a McDonald's coffee. So maybe, maybe that's why McDonald's does so well and they can allow some of the hit to go to their customers.
0: Yeah, just on the, the beverage, it's funny that you mentioned that because McDonald's is actually phasing out their $1 beverage deal where you can get a soda for $1. And because of inflationary pressure, there are some locations that are no longer offering that or pricing their sodas higher than a dollar. So it'll be interesting to see kind of whether customers will be receptive to that or if you're like particularly deal conscious that might actually make you decide to to stay at home and like make your own drinks instead
1: interesting interesting well listen lots to talk about i'm sure in the future we will be talking about inflation john sharon thanks very much for your time and talk soon here to talk to me today is dasha about essentially what Unilever is doing to combat this situation. So Unilever makes Dove and Marmite and all sorts of products that you may get in your grocery shop. So Dasha, tell us what, what is the situation with Unilever? How are they doing in an inflationary environment? Because they're, I guess in some ways they're at the coalface. They are negotiating contracts at the moment, I would say, that tell you what future prices are going to be like.
3: Right, exactly. Yes. So on the top line, top level, what they did was hike prices massively and take with a slight decline in volume across each of their units. So overall, you know, they had underlying sales growth of 8% and 10% came from price and then they had a decline in volume. So what that shows us is they're saying we are going to just aggressively hike prices and hope that it doesn't affect volume too much. And of course, the danger of that is that they lose market share. So consumers kind of switch, trade down to other brands and forget who Unilever is or who the more expensive brands that they used to buy are. And they've had variation across their units. So for example, you know, food and refreshment has had slightly lower price rises, but, and, and suffered a slightly lower actual volume growth. So what
1: would that be Dasha? What would be those kind of products that they sell that you'd see it kind of food and refreshment?
3: You've got your Hellman's Mayonnaise, you've got your Marmite, you've got your Bovril, and crucially you've got, I think they're really strong in ice cream, so Magnum and Ben & Jerry's, and these are sort of treats that people are, that have very strong brands and that maybe people are yet at the stage of trading down from, and there aren't good, particularly for Ben & Jerry's, there aren't good cheap substitutes, in the UK at least, that I can think of, so So sort of the volumes there have held up Um, and where are they seeing the sort of pinch? Where where can
1: you see that that actually or are you seeing that at all? Is there are there other products that that people are actually like, oh, I don't need Dove shower gel. I can actually just trade down to the pound equivalent or dollar equivalent in, in whatever market they're in.
3: Yeah, so I think the way that Guinea-Leva thinks about it is it's not is they're not just increasing prices by as much as they can. They're actually thinking about what's happened to the commodity prices that go into those goods and then translating those into what price rises they decide on. And with Homecare, they said that the the commodities they use in that had gone up by a lot. So there, the price growth was a whopping 17%, 16.6%. And as a result of that and these are products like Domestos and other cleaning products their sales their actual volume declined almost four percent now overall that still adds up to an underlying sales growth of 12 percent. but if you think about what it feeds through how it feeds through to operating margin it's not great and unlike some of its competitors bracket which makes quite different things but it's in the sort of consumer goods bracket Unilever is actually suffering a margin decline which is a problem but I think so far the market's quite focused on the company not under investing in brands that they're for now okay with that they've got patience with that
1: yes and I mean we saw in the UK a story about Tesco which was the biggest supermarket that was sort of going to to war with Kraft Heinz about prices and I, and I think that there is this margin the Unilever margin although that it's kind of coming down there is a sense that they can take some pain. Was there any sense of that? I mean, in terms of their outlook, what are they thinking that inflation will do to their profit
3: going forward? So they didn't, the outlook was increased, they increased the outlook for underlying sales growth, but, and they expect to improve margins in 2023 and 2024, but they weren't very precise on that. And I think What's interesting is that a lot of the companies that reported this week on their earnings call have said that they expect inflation to peak in the second half of the year. That includes Unilever. And if that happens, I can obviously see how then in 2023, 2024, you're not going to be faced with the same problem. You're not going to reach that, you know, hit that wall that you were talking about, about, you know, with consumers actually struggling across the board to afford stuff. But if for some reason it doesn't, peak in the the rest of the year or if it is a lot higher than Unilever expected then you're kind of in trouble and then I'm not really sure how you can you can bank on margins improving in 2023 and
1: 2024 that's interesting because i mean the timing you're right of the the second half peak is sort of crucial isn't it because that is when you know energy prices Will, will be will be quite high in many countries and people will be needing more energy. They will be. It will be the winter. People will be fueling their boilers and maybe in their car more, maybe you know less walking, etc. So that will be a problem if that doesn't peak in that way. If inflation continues to go up, I wonder to what extent you might start to see people aggressively trading down in ways that maybe they just stop buying Ben and Jerry's altogether.
3: Absolutely. There is a bit of a danger of being too Europe centric on this though, because when it comes to Unilever, in the quarter, Europe is about three billion out of its sixteen billion euro revenue. So it's not, you know, one could argue that there'll be a bit of a relief. It won't energy prices won't hit all of its markets in the same way. And it is really strong in emerging markets. The bulk of its business is in emerging markets. So that could that could end up helping. But the the broader question of when will inflation peak, because it's not just energy, of course, it's wages, and you know people are negotiating uh, higher wages, it's other input costs, energy prices have an impact on everyone, but maybe it won't be as acute in the rest of the world as it will be in Europe.
1: Absolutely. Well, very interesting, Dasha, and this is your last Views Room with us before you head off into the sunset. So yes. good luck, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. All the best, Amy. That's it from me. The Views Room is taking a summer break, so you'll hear from me next in September. And thanks to this week's producer, Thomas Shum in Hong Kong. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on a cast, megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Check out our latest views on these stories and many others at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews.